T2R2, where did it come oh, from? Wait. Genesis, what? Oh, we got to do our little intro first. We'll get into it. Don't no, you worry. I'm just, I'm oh, just you were recapping. Sure I understood. Yeah, because <laughs> I only just woke up, right? So the brain is not quite. We're going to get it rolling. Okay. Get I'm it good. rolling. All right, welcome back to episode seven of the Open Practice Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Takani. I'm a lover of finding new ways to form teams, and I bring folks together for those aha moments, bringing them together for their journey towards effective and efficient delivery of value for their organization and their lives. And with me, I have my wonderful co-host, Dude, how are you gonna how are you gonna set me up like that with that with that super smooth intro? Because I took two minutes and actually <laughs> and then wrote gonna, it down. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna come in and be like, "Hi, hi guys, I'm Jerry. I'm here too. <laughs> I'm product manager. I'm a product. I like I like products. So, you know what? That's me, Matt. All right, that's 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 my style. Hi, I'm Jerry. I'm here also with Matt." <laughs> I'm right. I'm riding on your coattails this episode, man. Uh, it's still good. I, I wanted to try like the super announcer voice, and we'll see. And with us, we have the amazing, the wonderful Donna Benjamin. Hi! Woo-hoo! I'm so excited to be here with you, Matt and Jerry. This is very, very cool. Very cool. Thanks for having me. So Donna, I know you just woke up and uh, we're going to throw the the hardest question at you first today. What spirit animal are you embodying right right now? Mm. Um, Some kind of animal that normally sleeps during the day and has been rudely awoken. So maybe a possum. A possum. But actually, no. See, you Americans will get confused by that because your possums are like scary critters, whereas our possums are really like, you know, cute, sleepy things. Um, so maybe not a possum because that will be weird for people who don't know what a possum is. Maybe a cute possum. I don't possum, know. Then. A cute possum? No. See, I wouldn't describe myself as cute. Once upon a time, okay. maybe, but no longer. Cut Cuddly possum? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with a wombat, actually. I think Ooh. today Ooh. I'm a wombat. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds a lot of fun. So today we're talking about T2R2. Uh, and if folks don't necessarily know what that is, you know, we ha- that's why we have Donna here. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's one that I have. Uh, so I've been reading up on it and, and I was taking a look at some of the, the earlier stuff and I found it to be just super intriguing as, as a concept. And I've never used it, and so I'm super interested uh, to to hear how it becomes applied because I I this might be my aha moment. Before we get into that, can we first find out who the heck is Donna Benjamin? You don't need to know that, do you? You know I'm a wombat. I thought she was a. Enough. I thought she was a wombat. Yeah. Yeah. Right? <laughs> she is a wombat. <laughs> In but, spirit right. where, form. Where do so, you hail from, Donna? I, I, I am I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia, right down at the very bottom of the world. Uh, you know that Never small continent uh, in the southern hemisphere, Australia. Well, Melbourne is right at the very bottom. So 
very close to the bottom of the world. I think if you want to go more to the bottom of the world, you can go to like Tierra del Fuego in South America or Hobart, which is at the bottom of Tasmania, which is a little island at the bottom of Australia. So that's where I'm from. Um, I am an engagement lead in the Open Innovation Labs in Australia, New Zealand region, which is a sub-region of APAC, uh, Asia Pacific. And um, I've been at Red Hat for just over a year now, which is awesome. Yay, Red Hat. Um, it's, it's, and the Open Innovation Labs is like just this super microcosm special place to be. So I feel kind of pretty blessed to, to be where I am at the moment. And um, the engagement lead kind of role is, is in itself kind of interesting. So it's nice to be in, inhabiting this role because we we bring a real mix of sort of different skills and experiences to the table to you know I think as as Matt sort of said in his opening to really help our customers um, be their best do their best and learn how to be even better on, on this sort of journeys of transformation of bringing innovation to their tables and doing things differently so yeah that's uh that's me um before I joined Red Hat I did a couple of things but um I was really very much involved in the open source community um especially the Drupal community, which um, is very still very close to my heart, even though I don't get to do a lot of Drupal these days, but they just released their latest version, Drupal 9, and it's just a really awesome community. And it's sort of, to me, one of the real strengths of Red Hat is that we have these connections into the open source communities that create the, the projects that we then, you know, turn into products and, and, and take to our customers. And having that connection back to the upstream is, um, is something I really value and and feel um, feel really lucky to have had those kinds of experiences and to be able to bring those to our customers. Well, that's exciting because I mean that's part of Open Practice Podcast here and Open Practice Library is it's the openness, it's the sharing. It doesn't have to come at a cost. It's just the willingness to to make us all kind of better and share from each other's experiences, which is why we want to have you on. I think you also have the privilege of being the first repeat voice on the open practice podcast is that right oh, Matt? wow because technically you were in the fireside chat episode and now we have you on by yourself as a guest so you're it there's got to be some kind of award for that i i don't know if i can handle that honor um i'm 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 humbled i'm <laughs> I, I i i'm speechless I, I i thank you thank you for your trust in me guys <laughs> It is, it is a true celebration. I didn't even think that it only would take seven episodes to do that. <laughs> Must have, uh, also, seven. have a huge like, lineup of people. That's such an amazing number. Seven. Like, I, I also, like, I, this is episode seven, and seven is a beautiful prime number, which I love. Sure is. Well, <laughs> the fact that you could put up with us for another episode, that's that that's deserving of another award in and of itself. But we're, we're here in T2R2. T2R2. T2R2, it is not, as you might have thought, an android a, from a the Star, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> not a Star Wars droid. <laughs> Although that would be appropriate for our, uh, uh, you know, our DevOps culture and practice enablement, where we have a lot of Star Wars themed <laughs> uh, elements. No, T2R2 stands for talk type, read, review. And it's a meeting etiquette technique uh, that I discovered, that I was taught a real long time ago now. I'm actually gonna say last century. Um, 
from a wonderful um, human being who's now sadly no longer on the planet with us, which John Finlay. He, um, he had a, a company and a technology called Zing Technologies, and it was a group decision support system. And it originally started as a bunch of keyboards plugged into a single computer, a laptop and a projector to allow people to collaborate using um, using technology, using a computer, uh, gather their thoughts together, process those thoughts together and, and you know, create new knowledge. That's the, the phrase he always used to use is we're creating new knowledge. And T2R2 was the technique that he developed to really smooth the process of um, computer mediated communication, if you like, like using computers and, and in a way to, um, to facilitate discussion because you know, as you would both be aware and as people who facilitate sessions are aware, when you have two people talking, they're the only people contributing and they're doing so one at a time, um, back and forth like a tennis match. Whereas where you start to use um, a collaborative tool which allows everybody to effectively contribute at once, you get these moments of, of silence, but you also create a lot more material that you need to process. So T2R2 or talk type read review was the kind of um, cadence or method that John developed to, to kind of pave the way. Now in that case, we were still physically present in one room generally. And the first part, the first talk was generally getting people to work in pairs or threes on the topic first. So have a quick chat to your partner, to your colleague, to the person sitting next to you or in a small group to get your ideas flowing to first break the ice. Then go to your keyboards and type from your own perspective your response to the question or topic at hand. And that would, you know, you we would time box these, each of these stages, followed by a read. Now this was sometimes getting people to read out loud. Sometimes it's getting people to read to themselves. Sometimes you get a couple of people to read in turn. But the, the idea here is because everyone has typed at once, they haven't had a chance necessarily to absorb what's been contributed. And that read time is a pause. And it's purposefully no editorialising. It's just reading what's been written. Take a note if you have a question. And then the final piece is to move into review. And this is where you might ask questions, ask for clarification, or do voting or clustering, basically process what has been said. You've had a chance to get the brain flowing with talk. You've had a chance to contribute with type. You've had a chance to absorb with read. And then in review, you have a chance to sort of take it to the next step. And what you might do at the end of the read, sorry, the review phase, at the end of the review phase, you might then create a short summary, which becomes an artifact to go forward. So that's the sort of talk type read review. And with T2R2, and that was a slight, that was a, a shorthand that I added to it to kind of make it easy to talk about and give it a little intrigue. Um, it's it's nice, easy way to get everybody on the same page about how we are going to work together. It's really cool to really think about. So you took an original idea uh, that was actually facilitating in-person conversations and kind of ice breaking into uh, an agenda item or any sort of like a new topic and you've really adapted it to what, what what actually sounds like a means of doing distributed communication this is a great uh, kind of communication pattern uh, when you're looking to ideate uh, it's like it's kind of like almost a uh, diverge converge type type of method to get the ideation and then converge into 
uh, a common understanding that you can then move forward with. How do you leverage this kind of at like at the higher level of ideation or really at like the lower level when you're actually trying solution ideation? So I, I have, I use it subconsciously when I'm facilitating online and to go back a step it started in a in a face-to-face environment but john findlay and zing technologies adapted their program to work online they ended up creating a java app and a lot of my um, online uh, facilitation skills were developed during that time when you know when he first introduced online ways of working with his tool Um, so it kind of morphed quite easily into into that but in terms of where you use this ideation yes but any any kind of collaborative activity. So it may also be problem solving. It might also be data gathering. When I was first introduced to Zing Technologies called Grouputer back then, terrible name. Um, <laughs> it was in, in concert with um, Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hats. So we used the different um, Six Thinking Hats as a way of structuring the, the flow of topics. So you might have um, White Hat, which is the um, blank page data gathering type thinking hat, where you're asking questions and uh, providing data in a neutral way. So it's not necessarily ideation, but fact gathering um, through to Black Hat where you're you know being critical and and really uh, reviewing what's been what's been shared and thinking through the the, the barriers obstacles cautions etc um, that's what I like about it it's simplicity and it's neutrality what you're talking about doesn't matter the it's the how you're talking that t2r2 helps facilitate yeah and in giving that that structure to a conversation um, what kind of benefits do you see that comes out of that for the team, for them to go through the process in this kind of structured way? So I think the, the, the most, the standout thing is having people think in parallel, to use another, sorry, to use another de Bonoism, but to have people think in parallel rather than um, in, in opposition, because quite often with dialogue, you can you can get stuck in arguments. You know, you can have two people take a position and then they do the kind of the normal sort of argumentative approach to come to a conclusion. Whereas with T2R2, um, you sort of start by getting level setting with the talk phase, like this is what we're talking about, are we on the same page? Typing where everyone contributes at once in parallel rather than, you know, one at a time in opposition and read, you know, is that opportunity for everyone to understood what's been said and review is that opportunity for people to then test and absorb. Now, one of the things which hasn't translated into the T2R2 practice in terms of how we use it is um, that uh, we had, when people contributed their ideas, in the in the tool, they became anonymous effectively. So imagine, you know, we write things on sticky notes and we stick them up on the wall, and mm-hmm. you don't know who wrote it unless you notice what color sticky note pad they had or you know their ha- handwriting. But there was a real anonymity to the contributions, and that also takes away some of the, um, I guess, some of the politics that you can sometimes get. Like if that person said it, I'm never going to agree. So because of that anonymity, the ideas stand in their own. So that's a bit that I haven't figured out how to really. Tr- really bring into um, to our practice. But the, the thing for me is very much that it, it gives everybody this sort of same rhythm. You know, we're gonna we're gonna first understand what we're trying to to collaborate on. 
then we're going to share our own perspective. And I think that's important because sometimes you get that moment where people say, oh, well, so-and-so said, should I write what they said down? It's like, no, no, no. That's just for you to get the ideas flowing. We want you to share your own perspective for the collective whole. So for me, I think the real standout is just that um, giving everyone a sense of this is how we're going to work together. Because quite often we we work together, we figure it out as we go, but there isn't that intention. Whereas this is a way of getting everybody quickly to the same place and working together really effectively, really quickly. I love the uh, the phrasing that you used around it gives people a bit of like a structure to produce the animinity of that team forming aspect. I view it very, very strongly in the form of like, if you have certain people only talking inside of any uh, situation and you have other people that are very much silent because they're not a uh, forthcoming voice or they're not uh, someone that is overspoken, <laughs> shall we say, then then those great ideas aren't actually bringing to the forefront of that. And this gives a liberating structure because you're no longer just like throwing things against a wall. You're actually providing a bit of structure around your ideation process. And, and even doing so, you're actually having people internally reflect over the course of uh, this process because you're talking about it People might not actually start in that discussion, but when you start typing, people have had time to internalize. And then it's like read and interpret, which is really cool because this is where those ideas stand on their own. It's no longer vying for your idea. People are reading and coming to conclusions and then asking questions during that review aspect. And to me, that's a, an amazing team forming aspect because you take away the uh, what, what you talked about of like, if that person said something, I'm not going to believe whatever they say, or I'm automatically against it because of other historical references. Whereas that idea mm -hmm. might be something that you do agree with. And this gives the idea weight, not necessarily the person providing it. And, and you can actually overcome uh, and form as a team in that kind of a sense. I thought that was just a really neat aspect to leveraging this structure. It's a meritocracy, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely spot on, Matt. And and you've you've kind of said out loud one of the one of the other real strengths, going back to Jerry's question, is that this gives an opportunity for introverts to contribute equally. And they can share their ideas um, mm. you know, with the same degree of um of uh, I don't know, high, I don't know what the word is, but, you know, the thing they type is ju has just as much space as the thing typed by the loudest person in the room. And John Findlay used to say, um, it, it, I think it was John who said this, it, it rips, the, rips the tongues out of the articulate. So normally really articulate people with gift of the gab dominate, you know, do dominate workshops, whereas something like the tool he had, um, Reputer or Zing, because you use this computer-mediated um tool you got to hear from people who normally would never speak up they would never raise their voice in in a meeting but they're quite happy to go to the keyboards and share what they know and in the world that we use especially using tools like Miro and Mural you know 
that's beginning to have some of the same qualities that that Zing had to allow people to type while someone else is talking. You know, you can, and, and we've seen that you know in times since where we've used you know things like IRC and Slack and chat channels where you can have kind of threaded conversations and different elements of the conversation going on. While someone's speaking, there's this back channel, you know, chat happening and really valuable stuff comes out of that. The, the extra plus when you're working in, in a digital space is then it's all recorded and easily accessible for others who couldn't attend, whereas a conversation in a room um, is really hard to access later. Even if, say, the audio was recorded, you don't want to sit and listen to hours and hours of workshop, whereas this method, especially if you use the summarise um, technique at the end of your review, those summaries become this beautiful kind of encapsulated version of your session. Yeah, it's uh, uh, the the idea of how to actually create meritocracy, which is how do you really actually create all voices and all ideas being equal, is it, it requires some thought and some structure sometimes. And I think this is a really great way to do it. It actually reminds me of, we had um, Jonathan Courtney on the podcast a couple of episodes ago, and he likes to use this phrase, um, we worked together independently. And it's this idea, you align on what the challenge is, but then everybody does silent generation and you work together and you then you put it all up there so that all of the ideas have equal weight to start. Um, but, you know, again, ideation is great and that's like, it's great to diverge in thought, but then getting into the converging about, okay, we've, we've come up with a bunch of ideas. Now let's make this actionable. How are we going to align on this? And in thinking in the last step of T2R2, which is the review phase, what ways have you taken that and then built on it in order to actually get the team aligned on some actionable thing that they can do afterward? Great question. So, Read review. Um, in the review phase, maybe you've gone to a vote. So you've had, you know, 100 ideas um, put up there. You know, they're all nice little short ideas and you've had a phase of voting. And so you've got five, like these are the top voted items. And depending on, you know, whatever that was, you might then have another process on those five. So how do we then expand out? So, you know, in design thinking, you've got your converge, diverge, converge, diverge. So you've you've done that and then you're at the last bit and say, okay, well, this is, these are the five, you know, that we've collectively voted as, as the most important. Maybe we now vote again and say, okay, which one of these we're gonna take to prototype or which one of these um, do we need to find, get more information on or et cetera, whatever it is. So it's like using that review phase to really think about and structure what comes next. So is the review phase just to summarize the discussion? Great, let's make sure we've got that summary. Is the review phase to vote? Is the review phase to cluster the ideas and sort of, you know, perhaps you carry a working group. Okay, you, we've got this theme around people and process that's emerged here. Okay, so, you know, jo Joanne, do you want to kind of lead um, a further piece on, on that? And, you know, we've got this thing over here about, you know, that we're getting uh, a technology, uh, our tech debt is really building and we're not addressing that. So, you know, uh, Maria, can you maybe, you know, go flesh that out? So, you know, depending on what it is, that review phase, as you've picked up, Jerry, is that really critical moment to say, okay, so what? We've just had this conversation, what's next? And that review phase is around, um, is very much around facilitating that next step, whatever that may be. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, some of the converging techniques and practices around like dot voting, 
uh, yes. in order because uh, you're, you're talking about voting and I was like, yeah. oh, dot voting. It's like the yeah. thing that comes to my brain or yeah. um, affinity mapping, uh, looking yep. to group like ideas to produce those key themes that you're really yep. wanting to put into action. And exactly. then uh, pairing this with like uh, pretty much whatever your next steps are to create action upon that, uh, whatever decision or, or theme that you want to progress. Uh, yeah. And I guess that ends up depending if you're at the beginning of your journey or if you're in the middle of your journey. Yeah, exactly. And and this is one of the things like because I learned it in conjunction with the six hats, one of the things we learned with the six hats is there is no one flow. Depending on whatever your task is, you might start with red because you want everyone to do a gut feel check. Then you might go to white because you want to gather some information. Then you want to do, you know, some green field thinking. So you put your green hats on. Or flip side is you might have, you know, a whole bunch of um, proposals in front of you and you want to put your black hats on and do some critical thinking. So you really sort of think about sequencing your topics so that they also flow into a kind of narrative of your overall um, objective uh, or goal that you're you're setting out to achieve together. So that flow is important and that's where T2R2 kind of is almost like this like mini three-act play or <laughs> mini four-act play within each topic to help you, you know, take that next step into um, the next activity. But it, it reminds me because I've used like six hats in a retrospective format and I can see how T2R2 can pair really well with the six hats from our conversation. But at the same time, I never thought of it in that kind of a way in any retrospective format. I feel as this could be applicable to in order to achieve everyone's voice and everyone's thought process without necessarily saying do silent generation with one of your post-its or anything. You could actually start it with like let's let's talk about it. Just talk about how the sprint went or how this time frame that we want to retrospect against. And then now that you've had that conversation, now I want you to write as a as a pair um, all of the ideas, all of the thoughts that you really had, and just silently look to do that in your pair, and then just put it up there, and then give a little bit of time to read, and then you can review. It's a really cool way that I I've never run a retro like that, and I really really want to now. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually kind of seeing how it it plays in both portions of the double diamond with diverging and converging because you could totally run it as a retro, and and point out a lot of the different like pain points or something or things that could have been improved, but then you could also do whatever kind of retro format you want and then align on a single problem that you want to solve as a team for next sprint. And then run T2R2 immediately after that. Like, let's align on this problem. Let's talk about it a little bit. And then let's get into ideating and sharing and then voting and 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 converging on what we want to experiment with. So it's really cool how it can fit into a lot of the different practices in the open practice library as a way to drive that ideation and alignment with this meritocracy where all ideas are kind of equal. Yeah. Such a foundational and practice. It is a foundational practice. I think that's a good a good place for it. I think the, the other part of it is it's, and you picked up on this, Matt, is it's really important in the team forming phase where you're figuring out who's who in the zoo and how we're going to work together. Um, and you set this practice, say, hey, you know, okay. And it gives you those, op it gives you the kind of permission and authority to say, okay, we've had enough discussion now. Let's get, let's get to typing. Um, and but the thing is, it's like any um, any practice. When a group of people practice it together, they become stronger in that practice. And so, you know, at the very start of a, a team, it's very intentional and 
and and kind of stepping through it. But towards the end of the, you know, a team formation process, it's become natural and people kind of just get into the cadence and do it without thinking. And that's where like I had an aha moment where I wrote it up for the practice library because I kind of had this, I can't even remember what the trigger was, but I had this memory that I'd learnt this and that I was applying this to the kinds of conversations and, and sessions we were now trying to do online. And I was trying to get people to get into this this cadence. And then I realised, oh, hang on, this this is what John taught me. And maybe I need to teach others that this tool, you know, is exists and that we can use it together to kind of fast forward our process. I said a lot of words. That's why we have you on, Donna. We want you to say it's words. Of, it's a lot of great words. It's yeah. almost like a cockatoo. Oh. <laughs> How about so um you know obviously on, on this podcast we share a lot of practices that people may have just be hearing about for the first time. So in your experience, because uh, I like the fact that you have such a deep history with T2R2 and, and applying it. So what advice would you give to somebody that might want to experiment it with it for the first time, like some facilitation tips or something? Oh, great question. Look, I, I think it's um, like anything, have a go and learn from, learn from your practice. The first time you do it, it's going to feel a little bit like unwield, like, you know, maybe uncomfortable is too strong a word, but the first time you do it, it might not feel all that natural, but the second time and the third time. And, and, and when you're doing something like this, take that um, curiosity and um, experimental mindset to using this practice for the first time. Keep a little bit of your attention aside for, to, for your own review and, and, reflection on how it worked and why it worked or why it didn't. Um, it is um, deceptively simple. Talk, type, read, review. And it's actually really easy to implement. And the little training sequence that we used to use with this, it literally takes like three to five minutes and people are off and running with it. So you just take the moment to sort of, you know, in terms of facilitation, to lower the tone of your voice, to slow down as you speak and introduce the topic. And that brings people's attention that you're gonna talk first, then we're gonna share our ideas or our thoughts or our responses by typing. We're gonna take a moment to read either together or independently, and then we're gonna review and think about our next steps. It doesn't need more than that when you're introducing this to a group for the first time. And that took, what, 30 seconds? So. I say just have a go and keep that little piece of your brain tuned for how you're going to do better next time or how you might apply it in a different context. When you're running T2R2 and, and you are the facilitator of, of this, uh, do they participate in everything or are they really look needing to be the guide of the conversation? Because it's so fast, uh, I, I find it, it would almost be like a crazy context switch in order to try and participate and try and facilitate and monitor a time at such small increments. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I often say you can't participate if you're facilitating. If you need to participate in the conversation, you're not the right person to be facilitating the activity. This reminds me, one of the practices that we used to do with it is actually rotate the facilitator 
across topics. So I might facilitate T2R2 mm. for the first question and Matt, you'll take the second question and Jerry, you take the third question. So you can actually, you know, take that. But also um, the, the the software in that case also had a timer built in. So in some cases that helped, uh, you know, do the time boxing, you get two minutes for the talk, time's up, moving on. <laughs> and we also, maybe this is particularly Australian, um, and some of the people who've worked with me in workshops will recognise this, is towards the end of the, the, the time box, I say, okay, so last ideas, please. So in Australian pubs, you'd call out last drinks. So at the end <laughs> of our type phase, we'd have last ideas. That's really cool. I like the, uh, it's funny, that reminds me of... Um, the concept of, so like, I know Matt and I are really big into board games, right? And in my collection, I like having those ones that fit into kind of small time spots because then you can run them as many times as you want in order to fill however much time that you have. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like this is one also, like I was just getting that concept on your, the way you were answering the last question was, this isn't something you just do with one single question that however much time you have as a team or however many things you need to tackle, you can run this iteratively in multiple ones. And I really like that idea of having like a bigger session where you're tackling maybe multiple questions, but then people are facilitating different ones together because that really makes the group feel dynamic and stuff. It's a really cool way to approach it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it just becomes the kind of the way you, the way you have, you, the way you approach any topic or, or activity that we're gonna go through these phases um, of, you know, first getting on the same page, or opening up ideas, then really having that contrib contribute phase, then really having an opportunity to absorb, and finally making sure you go into that next step of what you're doing with this material in, in review, whether that's dot voting or affinity mapping or voting or summarizing, whatever that is. And you can do it in microcosm. So I've done it 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds, quick. What's, what's the first word that comes to mind on this topic? Okay, now type. You've got 30 seconds, get the ideas in quickly to hold like half an hour for each phase. So, you know, that first 30 minutes is someone giving, you know, a really detailed technical presentation, uh, you know, with lots of information and key key details. So it's, it's really flexible. There's not um, a predetermined prescribed way of applying it. Um, and it's probably not right in every single situation, but it's flexibility means it gives you a little starting point to structure these little kind of conversations and activities which you then weave together into into the whole of your um, inten intentional activity together. Yeah, it sounds so close to where whomever ends up facilitating it kind of makes a, uh, a gut call on a lot of things. Like uh, when you're talking about read, do you read silently to yourself or do you actually look to read the responses? And that facilitator, really the only criteria that you need to understand is situational awareness. I think that's so. really valid, Matt. Um, and if you ask me how I make that call, I don't know. I think it's a, it is really hmm. intuitive, um, reading the room, getting a feel for where you're at and what you're trying to achieve. So, yeah, good. That's an interesting insight to share on it. What kind of things are you specifically trying to keep your your finger on the pulse of in the room to inform some of those gut decisions like reading out loud or silently or how much time to allocate to each phase? Like what's your what's your approach on kind of what you look for? 
So it's really hard um, online where you can't see um, what pe how people are responding. So sure. in some respects, it's a bit of a, you know, just just do it. But also there's an adaptation piece. So for instance, the other day I was working with this and one of my colleagues said, do we have to do the read? Do we have to, you know, it feels like it really slows things down. And I said, no, no, we, we don't. Um, the reason we do it is to give everybody a chance to absorb what's been what's been contributed. But sometimes you might skip it. You might just, you know, say, hey, we don't have time to read, so we're going to move on. But that's an exception rather than a commonality. So you do it because, you know, we've, you know, maybe we were waiting, people did have a chance to absorb. And you can also do check-ins, so, you know, with the group, say, okay, has everybody had a chance to read through those or do we want to, you know, do we want to take a moment? And depending on how much has been shared. So if, you know, you had a bit of a quiet session and only, you know, a few things got entered, then maybe you don't need to. So, Jerry, I can't quite answer the question. I don't know. I think <laughs> I think I, <laughs> I make it up as I go along or I respond in the moment. Um, but there are different, there are different signs and signals. I guess as any facilitator knows, you, you, you sometimes have to pivot and adapt based on the kinds of responses you're getting. Like if, if, if you're running this and no one types anything, that's a bit of a flag. That's something's mm. not quite right, and and you you might have to go back to the the talk phase, or or maybe you know the question's not just not relevant. You know whatever it is. So it's you know you do have to adapt, and it's not it's not a one size fits all, but it's so flexible it's going to fit a lot. That's my view. Yeah, that active participation is definitely like a good indicator that the people are are seeing the value in what you're doing and you can spend some time on it. But that was, that was a tough question. I don't think I would really know how to answer that either. Like, what do you look for in a room? So I really, <laughs> I really put you in the hot seat there, but I, I liked your answer. It was honest. It's like, I, I don't know. There's a couple of small things I look for, but the reality is you just kind of learn from experience, you yeah. know, and there isn't a lot of vocabulary, I think around how to do that. But that goes back to your earlier point about, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to try this? It's like, you just do it, you do it. And each time you do it, you look to improve and you get better and better. And as you do, those little pivots that you might make are probably going to become more intuitive to you about being able to go into any room with any group of people and say, okay, this is the path forward. Okay. Now I'm seeing this happen. We're going to go this way because I know that, you know, I just get that feeling. This is going to go a lot better for everybody. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, I think, you know, as a as a provocation question, it's one that we all as facilitators of human experiences should try and reflect on is how do we do what we do? It's often very intuitive and in the moment and based on experience and gut feelings. Taking taking a little bit of time out of what we're doing to think about how and why we do is probably something valuable that we, you know, we could all do and share and, and learn from. Maybe that's an action item for us for today. <laughs> well, this actually brings into a very good segue. Uh, at the end of uh, podcasts, we're really looking to identify maybe a, a bit of reflections uh, from the conversation that we had, really a good way to summarize up what we just talked about, you know, what, what are our takeaways from the conversation that we had? So uh, everybody goes, so that means we'll have three. 
and and I was and and I and I'm going first <laughs> because last time uh, that I didn't go first, all of my reflections got taken by uh, every panelist that we had. <laughs> so I'm going. I'll, I'll go first for this one. I'm also just like super jived about uh, applying this. Uh, so I've never I've never done T two R two. Uh, I've only really kind of like looked at it, but there's so much power that I see inside of that. And, and really it's application to retrospectives is what I'm latching into uh, on this one. So many times, so many teams that you uh, join, you're always looking for ways to give a voice and visibility to all of those ideas. And so some of the ways that you do that is you uh, anonymize uh, all the information. Uh, but if you're in person, you still see people looking to do that. So they may not even feel comfortable writing it down to be to post everything up there. But this gives you an ability if you look to type all inside of a common platform where no one knows where they are. And uh, then you do a lot of the read in like a silent manner or some aspect of that. I am like all on board of trying to use this. Uh, so that's kind of like one reflection that I'm having and I really want to apply in the next time that I run a retro. The other mm -hmm. thing was this realization that this practice is actually one that can be embedded in other practices in order to visualize uh, uh, visibly identify all of these ideas and like my brains went darn you when I was thinking about that. Darn you, Matthew Sakane. <laughs> you took mine. <laughs> Then you can go next. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. I'll add, I'll, I'll yes. And that can it be embedded in other practices? Yes. And it can also stand alone as its own thing. So that kind of blew my mind is it's one of those rare practices that, that you really can just like go to openpracticelibrary.com, look at it and run it as it is. Um, Don, I think you did a really good job of just kind of like outlining the steps to it and giving everybody the framework that they can execute on. Um, and you could do it that way, or you could like keep this in your back pocket. And if you're running another practice that needs either better ideation or a more structured ideation process or a better alignment on uh, what you wanna converge on and going forward, like a selection portion, you can pull this out also and, and overlay it or tack it on to different practices also. So I know it was kind of like a cheapskate answer because I really just took Matt's answer and added to it, but I also don't care. <laughs> I, was, I was about to actually say you just came out smelling like roses. That was, that was a really <laughs> nice guest and came out, came out smelling like cinnamon schnapps, my friend. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I owe for. Um, like, I, I love that, that that's the reflections that both of you had. I mean, that, that using it for retros, yes perfect um yes embedding it in um in in all sorts of other practices and and jerry that 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 thing about you know bringing it in when um you know when you need to do things slightly differently like change things up a bit as the standalone practice you know let's take a almost like a circuit breaker say okay let's just let's just think differently about how we're going to have this conversation and introducing t2r2 at that point in, into a group I, I really love that um that take for me, it, this is this is going to sound a bit weird, probably, but it's just been so 
deeply delightful to talk about this with you both because, you know, as I sort of said, I learned about this, you know, a long time ago. It had become embedded in my, just my way of working with, with people. And then that moment where I went, hang on, I need to tell people about this again. And, and this opportunity to kind of explain and describe and, you know, anecdotes um, has kind of brought it to life again for me. And, and, and that question, I think, it was from you, Matt, or was it, I can't remember, one of you lovely humans. How do you um, introduce this or how do you get people to do it? Um, that moment of, you know, introducing it for the first time and taking people on this journey of using this practice and then watching it shift. That was the aha moment for me that I hadn't thought about is from the first introduction to a well-formed, high-performing team doing this without thinking about it. Like it's become like breathing. It's just how we, you know, how we roll. and and that that there's a there's a journey that you know each individual within a team goes on to figure out how best to work together and t2r2 facilitates that and that's what that's what my aha moment is i hadn't really thought about it in that team forming um context it's kind of it happens almost like that's is that a side effect or is that the point <laughs> I love that you had an aha moment. I've like satisfied my criteria. <laughs> you can use, I was realized you could use T2R2 to figure out how, how do we deal with the grumpy wombat? <laughs> I thought coffee was the answer to that one. <laughs> I mean, that's one idea, but Matt, your ideas are equal to all of ours ideas. We just need to get them all out there. Okay. Very nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> called out uh speaking of calling out donna how can people keep up with you how can people learn more about t2r2 or other great insights from your experience so the open practice library you know t2r2 is there and so much else it's awesome and this is what this whole podcast is about um and me i i um can be found, I don't know, in places. <laughs> are, are you uh, on Twitter? I I am on Twitter. Um, my my Twitter handle is catacrab, K-A-T-T-E-K-R-A-B. Um, and I occasionally blog, and which I will tweet. Um, and I occasionally put some blog things on um, the Red Hat blog. I've got one blog post there, but I hope to have more in future. But I've contributed uh, three, I think, three other practices to the o to the Open Practice Library as well. Um, and I'll keep doing that because, um, yeah. Well, that's what we want. That's what we want to hear from everybody. Thank <laughs> Love you, contributions. Contributions. I like it. And that means you just you just booked yourself for three more podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into it. What's topic number two, Matt? <laughs> oh, we'll, well circle back around. We we'll, give, we'll give your voice a rest, but yeah, we can dig into those other ones later. So thank you so much for getting to the end of the podcast. And as always, stay open. Thanks. Hey, you. High fives to you for listening to this episode of the Open Practice Podcast. That was awesome of you, and you should do it more often because who doesn't like more awesome stuff in their lives? It's awesome. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, feel free to head over to openpracticelibrary.com where you can find a wealth of activities and practices that you can run with your team in order to help get you from idea to delivery. 
And while you're there, why not upload your own stuff too? This is all about a community. We all need to share what's in our brains so that we can all get better at creating better ideas and turning those into better solutions for people. So contribute. We need it. If you want to keep up with us, you can also hit us up and follow us on Instagram at Open Practice Library. Thanks for listening and stay open.